all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome into another off-season edition here at the Houdat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the Houdat Discussion on Twitter, at the Houdat Dis. We have an extremely special episode planned for you guys today, as I'm joined by the host of the Locked on Saints podcast, an editor at Canal Street Chronicles, as well as the co-host of Dylan and Ross Save Sports, which debuts on Full Press Radio on July 1st, Ross Jackson. How you doing, Ross? I'm doing very well, Andrew. Thank you very much, man. Very glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate that, too. And just before we start, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, your new show on Full Press Sports. So just tell us a little about that. I heard that it's not just going to be football and Saints. It's going to be, you know, everything kind of. Yeah, exactly. No, we we really wanted Dylan and I to have some kind of an outlet to just have fun talking about sports. Because basically, you know, he and I also record over on a couple of other shows and everything. And so we'll have about two hours of conversation before <laughs> we ever start recording. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And then we always thought to ourselves, like, well, why don't we ever just record this? And it's because we didn't have an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. And then an opportunity came up, thanks to my good friend Mike DeBate, who hosts a lot on Patriots podcast, was also over at FPC. And he basically was like, hey, we're looking for, you know, a radio show for drive time. If you and a friend or if you have anybody that'd be interested, let us know. And then I, I dove on the opportunity and was like, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, so it will be a little bit of everything, talking MLB, talking NBA, talking NFL. We'll go through all of that, um, as well as just anything else that, that comes about, especially right now where, you know, we're starting a sports radio show where there's no sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just as much about having a good time as it is anything else. So it'll be your usual sort of like fun sports talk radio stuff to where we talk about the news, but we also just have a good time uh, joking around with one another. No, that's really cool. Love what you guys do on the other podcasts. I was listening to a few and it definitely looks like you guys have a ton of fun. So it's great that you guys will get to be on every weekday. And uh, that's just really great. So I'll definitely be checking out. Guys, definitely check that out as well. But now I do want to dive in to some Saints news and um, Saints offseason talk here, because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, we've been doing a lot of positional breakdowns ahead of the 2020 season. And we finally finished with that. And that just means we're getting closer and closer to this 2020 season here. And now that we're done, I just want to go overview kind of a little broader here of the offense and defense. This episode, we're going to be looking at the offense. And then also what I want to start off with is that the Saints did announce their Hall of Fame inductees for the 2020 year here. And it was guard Jari Evans and safety Roman Harper. And honestly, these two guys, I mean, obviously part of the 2009 Super Bowl team, to me, linchpins of that team. So, Ross, what are your thoughts on those inductees and other uh, impacts to the Saints team? Yeah, I mean, I was very grateful to see both of these guys recognized. I think, you know, I'll just go ahead and and, and go out with it. Uh, I think that, you know, one of these guys will be having a conversation about later on down the line, all of us. And so mm-hmm. when it comes down to these two in terms of their contributions for the team, it's kind of undeniable. I mean, you've got Roman Harper, who I think is the guy that most people had the most questions about initially, hearing his name kind of going, why is Roman Harper getting inducted? But when you look at what he's done, I mean, with his uh, 50 some odd passes defense in his 
this time, which was third uh, in franchise history as long as it's been tracked with New Orleans. And then same thing with solo tackles for as long as it's been, been, been tracked. He's around like 550 or so. He's in the 550s, which puts him at fourth in franchise history amongst all positions, uh, but also puts him first amongst defensive backs. You look at him as a cultural leader, a locker room leader, all that good stuff, on-field leader, off-the-field leader, practice leader, whatever it is that you want to call him. The guy Mm -hmm. was a captain, you know, and he was an emotional leader for this team. And so the intangibles, which are a little bit harder to track, you kind of have to just be a a fan of the team, which we all are, in order to see in terms of the outside perception, which otherwise kind of goes down to stat sheets. But we know that Roman Harper was much more than what he put down on the stat sheet. So he's somebody that uh, I was really, really excited to see. And then Jari Evans is just undeniable, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Completely mm-hmm. undeniable. Fourth-round draft pick that came in and played 169 of his available 176 games with the team. And some of those he didn't play because of rest uh, <laughs> or, you know, not starter, you know, not using starters in the final game of the season, things like that. A huge part of two great, a couple of fantastic running attacks, 2009, 2011, mm-hmm. as well as the passing attacks that we saw kept Drew Brees clean for many of his 5,000 yard passing seasons just undeniable in terms of what he was able to do coming into New Orleans and being a leader along that offensive line yeah no for sure Jari Evans is one that I really hope that he gets the the Hall of Fame nod down the road because a lot of people are going to compare him with what Willie Rofe and that stuff because the Saints obviously have a pretty good history with offensive linemen and he's definitely right up there I mean you're, you're looking at it he's got four all pros first team all pros also has one second team all pro as well six pro bowlers like he is just right there and the guard position for the Saints with Drew Brees is so important because that middle up the middle pressure is just really vital they gotta they gotta be able to protect that and Jari Evans was obviously a huge part to defend that and also against the run he did a very good job blocking as well so to me he was a really vital part and probably an unsung part that a lot not a lot of people are going to talk about it just because he's on the offensive line, but I hope down the road that he definitely gets the nod there. And he's also on the all-decade team for the 2010 yep. team, so or the 2010s, I should say. So hopefully that also kind of helps his nod, because as you said, he's kind of a slam-dunk guy there. And then Roman Harper, yeah, he was kind of the guy that's kind of up in the air, as you were saying. But again, he was such a guy, like if you were a fan of the team, like he was the captain, one of the captains of the defense. He was a guy that was going to mm-hmm. come in, make sure the secondary was all in the good spots to play and he was a guy that also played in the box as well and he was one of kind of the few players in the secondary for the Saints to do that he was the guy who had the most sacks out of all the NFL as a DB um, from I believe 2006-2011 so to me that was really good and definitely an emotional leader and then he came back in 2016 obviously wasn't as good but a guy to come back there in his last year to even help some really young Saints players in the secondary I thought that was also just like he's definitely you know a New Orleans Saint for life and now he gets to kind of say that after being inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame. And now I do want to get into just one more thing before we get onto our overview of the offense. Ross, what do you think one player that you would want to see inducted to the Saints Hall of Fame that hasn't been inducted already? Oh, man, you know, I've put a lot of thought into this one, just trying to figure out like where to be able to look here, uh, because there's some really, really fantastic options. But if I'm going to stick with that 2006 draft class there's a couple of guys that i wouldn't mind seeing from that because that was such a tremendous draft before the 2017 draft class that was the the draft class that everyone wanted to talk about right Mm -hmm. so you look at that 2006 year and so for me i really look at a guy like zach streif and you know he's Mm -hmm. in his he's in his college hall of fame northwestern hall of fame and he was fantastic for this team and he was a guy that when he was drafted in 2006 
you know, it wasn't really expected that he was going to be all too much uh, in terms of his draft position, everything like that. So I look at a guy like Zach Shreve, uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing him go in there as a part of that long running kind of success of the uh, Saints offensive lineman, particularly during the Sean Payton era, uh, excuse me, Sean Payton era. Um, and so I wouldn't mind seeing him up in there. Yeah, I was definitely thinking of him, too. He was actually one of my top two guys, but I actually went with a defensive member of the Saints. That's Mm -hmm. Jabari Greer. And he's, I mean, look, when you look at all these Saints, successful Saints defenses, they always have that great cornerback, whether it be Marshawn Lattimore or Keenan Lewis for a few years. And before that, it was Jabari Greer. And through that, like, 2009 to, like, 2013 team, he was really that top corner for the team. And Look, I mean, when the Saints blitz a lot and they try to get turnovers and stuff, you need a good number one corner. And that's where Greer was. I mean, he helped the Saints, obviously, to the 2009 Super Bowl. Then they had that nice run in 2011 where they went 13-3. and And he was really the main shutdown corner for that team. And again, I think he's another underrated player, like outside of the Saints and Saints fans. I think not a lot of people think about him when you think about uh, dominant cornerbacks or at least really good cornerbacks. So I would love to see him get that honor there. So... Now, before we get into our overview of the offense and kind of our main topic for this episode, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dat Discussion. And now we're going to dive right in to our main topic this week. I'm joined alongside Ross Jackson. And before the break, we were talking about the Saints Hall of Fame and how they inducted Jari Evans and Roman Harper. But now we're going to get into talking about this 2020 team and really how the Saints can make that jump from the 2019 to 2020 season and kind of what impact will the new players bring and kind of what will the Saints be able to do differently with their new personnel. So with the offense, I wanted to start off with the wide receivers where the Saints did add Emmanuel Sanders, finally getting that wide receiver to opposite Mike Thomas. And they also added Ty Montgomery, who's technically a running back, but he's a guy that can do all sorts of things. So definitely wanted to just put him in with the wide receivers as well. But they did subtract Ted Ginn. So really, I I think this is easily, we can all agree that Emmanuel Sanders will be an upgrade over Ted Ginn for that Saints wide receiver two spot. But Ross, what do you think that really Emmanuel Sanders will bring into this Saints offense that we haven't seen in a while, really? I think with Emmanuel Sanders, you get a little bit of the Ted Ginn because of the fact that he can stretch the field and he can challenge deep. I mean, we watched Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow him in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We watched him go vertical against the Saints in Week 14 last year. So we know that he can do that. But I think the thing that Emmanuel Sanders really brings you that you couldn't necessarily trust Ted Ginn Jr. with that the Saints usually had otherwise is that you finally get another shorthanded receiver opposite your number one. And this isn't me just knocking Ted Ginn Jr. for not being able to catch. That's not what this is. This is me talking about Emmanuel Sanders as just simply being more shorthanded and being a guy akin to, let's say, a Willie Sneed, a Lance Moore, somebody that Drew Brees can always look to outside of the number one. We know that Michael Thomas is shorthanded, but we also know that Michael Thomas sometimes gets doubled and triple teamed. And sometimes he's not going to get a target because of that. And now you actually have another option for a shorthanded wide receiver opposite him and Emmanuel Sanders. So I think that he gives you something within the team that we haven't seen with them here in a little while and not having that shorthanded guy, because even Traquan Smith has shown some inconsistency in order to be able to do that in terms of contested catches, making catches in traffic. Emmanuel Sanders, that's been a part of his game his entire mm-hmm. career. And so he gives you somebody that has had that number one experience in terms of being a wide receiver one in Denver, but 
that can also be a complementary piece as he was also in Denver when Demarius Thomas used to line up across him who can complement a guy like Michael Thomas by being somebody that can, yes, stretch the field vertically, but can also affect the game in the short and intermediate routes, which is where Drew Brees really makes his money, particularly over the middle. Yeah, for sure. I think versatility is a big thing for him that the Saints, Mm -hmm. I think, will add. I mean, not only can he do the deep, uh, run the deep ball, excuse me, pretty well, but obviously he's also really good in the short into intermediate routes. And the one thing I really love about Sanders that I don't think we've seen opposite Mike Thomas at all in his career is really that surgical route running. And we've been seeing it in mm-hmm. videos throughout the offseason, but even his time with the 49ers and with the Broncos, you just see some of these routes are just crazy. And, you know, if he can bring just a little of that to the Saints, now I know he's getting up there in age a little bit, but that footwork doesn't go away. And to me, if he's able to kind of win on those one-on-one opportunities, because we know he's going to get a ton of those because Michael Thomas is going to get doubled, I think that's going to be just really big. And something I want to talk about really with the wide receivers, I think we'll also get into it with Adam Troutman talking about him, is really the, the Saints' ability to run 12 personnel. I mean, I was looking at really what the Saints can do in 12 personnel. I mean, you have Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and then you also have Jared Cook, Adam Troutman, Alvin Kamara. I mean, that combo is just like of skill position players with obviously Drew Brees, a great offensive line is just, I mean, it's almost like, I don't know what defense is going to do. What's your thoughts on kind of that 12 personnel with the Saints could run there? Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about 12 personnel for a little bit. I love it because I think that it is something that the Saints really thrived on toward the end of last year that they really didn't get to take full advantage of because they didn't have a completely healthy Alvin Kamara, it seemed, Mm -hmm. until maybe week 16, I think it's probably safe to say. Uh, And in week 16 and week 17 against the Titans and and Panthers, you saw them take advantage of that 12 personnel. The Panthers game a little bit less so because they were rotating out starters. But Mm -hmm. in terms of what you saw from them toward the end of the season there, you saw them really utilizing that 12 personnel personnel still not to its full extent and the thing about 12 personnel and for people that i don't know how much you go into it and everything mm-hmm. but or you have gone into it but you know one tight end i'm sorry we're talking one running back two tight two end tight ends, sets yeah. Um, and the thing that that does is that it at the beginning of a game might signal to a defense that they're, that they're looking to run. And so they look to load the box and things like that, which makes it a little bit easier to pass out of that set because then you've got guys like even Josh Hill, who has some athleticism, Jared Cook, of course, who is just the definition of athleticism, <laughs> particularly at his size. And then you look at Adam Troutman, who could be the next generation of tight end within the Saints offense they're going to get matched up with linebackers early in games. You can take advantage of that. And then eventually that defense is going to change over to nickel and dime sets where they're packing, you know, six DBs, mm-hmm. five DBs, and trying to get a couple of those guys down in the box, which makes it easier to run against for Alvin Kamara and that offensive line, which should be mightily improved. So an additional guy like Adam Troutman, as long as he can show on tape and in camp that he can be, you know, effective as a passer, I'm sorry, as a pass catcher, but also as a, as a run blocker and as a pass protector, then that's going to help help to disguise this offense and utilize these guys in such a way that it's going to affect the personnel that the defense puts on the field. And then what better mind to take advantage of the mismatches that that creates than Sean Payton and Drew Brees, right? So Mm -hmm. it it, it really does become very important. I wrote an article about it over at Canal Street Chronicles, not necessarily saying that 12 personnel translates to wins, but in the times in the games that the Saints played 12 personnel more than 20% of the time, which was over eight games, they were seven and one. And in the Mm -hmm. one game that they lost, they scored 46 points. 
So they ain't do too bad. <laughs> um, and so when it comes down to that, it doesn't necessarily translate to wins immediately, but the diversity that it creates amongst the offense, the unpredictability and the versatility that it creates amongst the offense and forcing the defense to react to it, that is what ends up making your game uh, unpredictable. And therefore, you can take advantage of those mismatches and have a more successful run. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that what you said, unpredictable, like that to me, mm-hmm. I mean, you can run, you can pass. And when the Saints, you have so many like solid weapons. I mean, when you're looking at their skill position group, it's really not one guy that I'm like, mm, don't really trust him until you get to like the Traquan Smiths and guys like those down uh, deeper in the depth chart. But mm-hmm. really, I think that if you're putting out 12 personnel, I mean, with this with this skill position group, I, I think the Saints, this is really the first year in a while that it really fits them really good, especially if everyone stays healthy, obviously. Right. Um, hell, they got to stay healthy. But again, I would be I'm really I'm excited to see that as well. And also with the wide receiving group, kind of wide receiver running back is Ty Montgomery. So first off, I wanted to ask you, do you think Ty Montgomery is going to make this team as a third running back, fourth receiver, maybe like what do you think his role will be kind of on this team if he makes it? So for me, I think that it comes down for him to uh, being a running back who can run routes. I think that's going to be the most advantageous spot for him to fit. What that does is that it allows the Saints to maybe carry only five wide receivers. Let's say, you know, the top two, we know Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. And then just for the sake of the conversation, let's just say Traquan Smith, uh, Deontay Harris for your returner. And then, oh, let's have some fun. Let's say Tommy Lee Lewis. So let's say <laughs> they keep five wide receivers. You end up having a guy. We all know that that is not going to be the case. At least we all cross our fingers. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have a guy like Ty Montgomery who could come in and potentially win that running back three role, but then get involved as a wide receiver. And the Saints, we know, are all about the positionless idea. They're all about, and they've always been about versus as you mentioned earlier, amongst, you know, a guy that can serve multiple roles and that can be more than just their natural position, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's where Ty Montgomery gets the most benefit or gives the most benefit to this team. It's somebody that, yeah, he'll wear 88, but sometimes he'll line up in the slot. Sometimes he'll line up in the backfield. Sometimes he'll line up in one, but before the snap shift to the other, there's so many different ways that you're going to be able to play him. But I like the idea of keeping him on as a third running back and then allowing you to max out then your wide receiver class and essentially have this other guy that's just a bonus wide receiver for you. No, yeah, exactly. I was thinking like him versus Dwayne Washington, and now he he also plays special teams as well, Ty Montgomery, so that's also kind of an added bonus if he could do that. And if he could be like another Swiss Army knife for the Saints, that's obviously always a positive. And that's just another way where the Saints do improve a little bit. Yeah, it's not like the big player, but it's just if he can fill a little role, maybe that some other player like Traquan Smith, let's say he can't fill a role, let's say in the slot, and then Montgomery can fill in a few snaps there. And then Montgomery could, let's just say, if an injury happens, he could also run the football. All that stuff happens. It's great to have guys on your team that can do a lot of different things, especially when you go deeper into the depth chart there. And to me, that's just another thing where the Saints, I think, have gotten better, especially on offense. I mean, it's just, to me, deeper. And it's definitely going to help Drew Brees. It's going to help really the whole team going deeper into the season. I think that's another thing when the Saints got to that playoff game is that Again, some weapons were not available or banged up like Alvin Kamara. It was really just mm-hmm. Michael Thomas. I mean, you had a banged up Alvin Kamara. You had Latavius Murray in his first season, and he was still, I think, getting involved. And I don't think the Saints really figured out how to use him until really late into the season. Jared Cook was hitting his stride, but he had some trouble earlier in the season. And then really what the Vikings did, they were able to get some pressure, double-team Michael Thomas, and it seems like they solved the Saints for at least a portion of the game. And again, that was partly of their demise so I think adding more guys that can do different things you add Emmanuel Sanders you add Ty Montgomery and now 
You're going to be adding also Adam Troutman. It just adds more and more weapons that the Saints could use at their disposal, and that's always uh, really good stuff. So I think that does transition well to talking about Adam Troutman and the Saints tight end group because mm-hmm. when going back to draft night and it was really late in the third round, the Saints surprise again and trade up to pick Adam Troutman. What was your thoughts about that pick initially? Because a lot of people, they thought that they were gonna, the Saints were going to get a receiver, but the Saints end up getting a tight end. So like, what were your thoughts then and like now, kind of a few months later, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, so uh, it didn't entirely surprise me. I was excited that they chose Adam Troutman because personally, Adam Troutman was my tight end one in this draft. So I was mm-hmm. very excited that they were able to do it. The first thing that really stood out to me was the fact that they traded away their entire rehaul of picks to move up and get the guy and i think that that tells you how much they like him and how much they believe that he can contribute within his first couple of years we know that tight end is very tough to transition when it comes from college comes to going from college to the pros we know that's a tough transition so you're really talking about him really being an immediate contributor quote unquote which could mean within year one or within year two or he could be a guy like dallas goddard not necessarily getting knocked out in a south dakota bar but in terms of his ability to produce his first season obviously you're going to welcome that as well now that we look back at it you can see you know we talked about 12 personnel pretty much in um extensively Mm -hmm. here and i think that that really is where he fits in for the most part particularly his first season is that it gives the saints that opportunity to have a guy that is going to be pretty unpredictable once he hits the field about how they want to use him he caught nine caught for 916 yards his mm-hmm. last year at Dayton. I mean, the guy was a top receiver, basically. And the entire offseason, the Saints talked about how they wanted to improve at pass catcher, but never really specifically said wide receiver. They just mm-hmm. wanted to get another guy out there who can catch passes. So clearly Adam Troutman, in their vision for him, is going to be catching passes for this team. We'll see how quickly he's able to contribute from that area. But regardless, he gives the Saints another sort of, I don't want to call it, he's not necessarily a Swiss Army knife, but just in mm-hmm. terms of being a, I guess the Coach Payton would call him multiple. being multiple. Yeah, yeah um, that would be the place where he fits in, and he absolutely carries those traits. No, yeah, for sure. And again, I love how you said that, like the Saints are always looking for pass catchers, not necessarily wide receivers. And again, I was like going up to the draft because a lot of people were like, oh, when will the Saints pick a receiver? They need a receiver and a linebacker. And I was like, watch out for them picking a pass catching tight end because Mm -hmm. the Saints have been known to be picking tight ends. Uh, They picked Jimmy Graham in the third round as well. And I could definitely see something that Troutman this year goes in, plays, I would say just a role. Maybe it's 12 personnel. Maybe it's pass catching in the red zone, something like that, because obviously he's just a physical beast. Definitely has all the physical skills here. And then just little by little, you add things to his plate. Little by little, maybe it's this year, next year, and then all of a sudden he's your starting tight end. And right. making that uh, progression for him easier, especially when you have Jared Cook. So even if he doesn't have a huge year this year, you still have Jared Cook, you still have Josh Hill. And I just love how deep this tight end group is because, look, when was the last time you can really say the Saints had two solid tight ends? And right. it's especially at, at pass catching. So like I definitely love just getting Troutman and also more depth. And and I think that's what really characterizes this group. It's really just that depth and b- being able to do different things. And I think last year was a lot just like give it to Michael Thomas, give it to Alvin Kamara. Later in the season, it was Jared Cook. And then like that was kind of the Saints offense. I think this year, a lot more versatile, could do a lot of different things. You could run um, different types of personnel. You could run different types of plays that maybe you didn't see last year. And I think that's definitely a huge way that the Saints could take that next step in 2020 especially later in the season where defenses will see the Saints for a full season and uh, they'll be able to even show different things maybe come playoff time. So I do think that is really big as well. So moving over to our last part of the Saints offense, and that is O-line. And this, I think, was probably one of the most questionable parts of the 
Saints offseason. They re-signed Andrus Pete. They drafted Cesar Ruiz, but they did cut Larry Walford. So the question I really want to ask you, Ross, is do you agree with re-signing Andrus Pete and letting go Walford? Because to me, I think this is not really as much about Cesar Ruiz. I think the Saints really love Cesar Ruiz, and it's not really like Cesar Ruiz coming in here for Walford. I think it's more of, look, the Saints were going to pay either Walford or Andrus Pete long term, and then they went with Pete. So what's your really opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, based upon the apparent just sort of incendiary relationship that they had with Larry Warford, <laughs> that they made the right decision. I mean, I know a lot of people are down on Andrus Pete. You know, I clown him every now and then as well. But the fact of the matter is that you can't name more than maybe a handful of better left guards in the NFL than Andrus Pete. I mean, he's within the top 10 and you can't yeah. really convince me otherwise. And a lot of it has to be, I mean, it has to do with when he's healthy, of course. Some of it has to do, you know, some people are down on him because of his injuries, but you also have to look at his injuries as being impact injuries. They're not often just like these things that are recurring, mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's yeah. a consistent ACL thing or it's a consistent ankle thing. It's a, you know, a shattered forearm for, for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You know, and so it's, it's like it's those kinds of injuries that are just what you, I, that's really the best way I could describe it. They're the what are you going to do? Injuries. Yeah. And so I agree with the idea of paying Andrews Pete. Uh, you know, they're able to get out from under his contract after the third year, I think is the most comfortable yeah. place to do it because right. the third year of the contract becomes guaranteed after the first day of the second league year. Mm-hmm. So that makes perfect sense that after that third year, if they want to get out from under it, they can. By that time, that's really when, you know, you're going to have guys like Cesar Ruiz and, uh, Eric McCoy coming into their next contracts or coming into their options, um, and also coming into their own as talented players. You also would see, uh, Teron Armstead's contract ending around that time too. So all this stuff is kind of lining up for the Saints to be able to make, to be able to reevaluate and make decisions based upon that. And so I agree with the idea of, paying Andrus Pete to keep him, especially because the guard market quickly dried mm. up. Mm-hmm. It quickly dried up in in, uh, in free agency. And really the only one that I was particularly interested in was Graham Glasgow, and he went to Denver on a yeah. humongous contract. So no, yeah. glad to see that the Saints didn't pay that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so in that instance for me, keeping Andrus Pete made sense. The subtraction of the, the release of Larry Warford is something that I think they became more comfortable with when they drafted Cesar Ruiz, but I think that that might have been the plan all along once they'd made the decision not to pay him. They were upset with you know the way that he showed up to camp the first couple of years and just his play. I mean, you can look at the Saints very heavy on the zone run scheme, particularly for Alvin Kamara. They definitely mix it up and go zone run. They go power. They go trap. You can see all of that, but in terms of what they like to do the most— with Alvin Kamara, they like to run that zone run scheme. And Larry Warford was always just a little bit behind mm-hmm. when it came to that type of needing that the level of athleticism. Now, all of a sudden, you're replacing him with a guy like either Cesar Ruiz or Eric McCoy, who ran very close to five or in Eric McCoy's uh, perspective, a sub five Below, 40 yeah. during his time. And so now you're just boosting the athleticism along this offensive line to match the athleticism that you want to produce with on offense. No, yeah, for sure. I I do think the athleticism was a really big reason of why they kept Pete and subtracted Walford because it's not like if you're watching a game, you can't really see it. You got to look at the film and kind of see what's kind of happening is Larry Walford just always, as you said, just was a step behind. I mean, just a little slow. And maybe that was because of how he came into camp and a little out of shape. Maybe that was the reason. Or maybe that just he's just, again, just getting a little older and he just didn't really fit the Saints system. Andrews Pete does fit the Saints system. And it was kind of funny when the Saints signed Pete, they were like, oh, we, we kind of got him for a bargain, we felt, because we think he's going to get even better and better. 
And right. if he could mitigate those injuries, I mean, you look at all those physical attributes that he has, get him out in space. And I think that's something really big that the Saints will try to do this year is with screen passes and stuff. The last two years, Saints haven't been as good as a screen screen team as they've been in the past. Like 2017, they were obviously a really great screen team with Alvin Kamara coming onto the scene. In the last two years, they've gotten a little worse in that category. And now they're thinking bringing Cesar Ruiz, bringing Andrews Pete back. They're hoping that they can be a little more mobile on the offensive line. And to me, that's another way that you can add a different dimension to the Saints team. And again, I think that's an also another reason why the Saints um, are going to keep Alvin Kamara. That zone running system, that's something that Alvin Kamara really thrives in. And then you add guys that can now execute that zone run blocking scheme with Ruiz, Pete, and also McCoy, as you said. And it really should be a fun group to watch here in 2020. And just another mm-hmm. different thing that the Saints can do. And um, definitely, I think that's really great. So now, before we wrap up the show, we're going to get into some Houdat Nation fan questions here. And our first question is going to be from SaintsFan9 on Twitter. And he asked, what percent chance do you give Ty Montgomery to make this team? And what players do you think will surprise in training camp? So, Ross, do you want to answer the first question? Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with uh, Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Um, I would probably give him, uh, I have to qualify this, but I would probably give him around a 60% chance to make the roster, which is a very good chance to make yeah. the roster. I know a lot of people want to hear 90, 95, <laughs> and everything like that, but 60% chance to make the roster is very good. The thing you have to remember is that this is an abbreviated and a truncated offseason. By now, usually they would have already had him for potentially mini camps. They would have had him for OTAs. They would have had him for workouts. They would have been in the building with him. They would have been working with him for about a month, two months mm-hmm. by now. Unfortunately, we're looking at starting training camp probably around July 28th, the end of July. And so that's going to be, you know, they're going to have a guy like Tom Montgomery. If they don't cancel the two preseason games, the first two preseason games, then he doesn't have a lot of time. You know what I mean? In training camp, then he just has to be able to go out on the field and prove it, which is tough. You can get hurt like that, too, is the Mm -hmm. other thing. So if he gets that. That, that extended time, then I think his percentage continues to rise. But as of right now, I give him a cautious 60, which again, is still a very good chance. Uh, because to me, the only person he's going up against is, uh, Dwayne Washington. You mentioned the special teams ability by both of these guys. Before Dwayne Washington re-signed last year, he played just over 170 special team snaps. And that's all that the Saints needed to see in order to make the decision that, yeah, he's going to be a good contributor on special teams. Mm-hmm. Last year, here, a year before the Saints would potentially sign him. Ty Montgomery played just over 170 special team snaps. Mm-hmm. So you have the same amount of evidence to make that decision. Uh, and, you know, Montgomery, of course, is sort of, I'll say, tainted in the idea of as a returner, thanks to that final play that he had in Green yeah, Bay. No, yeah. um, but he also does provide you as a you know another guy that you could potentially use as a returner if you ever should need. So the multiple purposes, what he's able to do on offense and on special teams, as well as just getting the appropriate amount of time, I think will help raise that percentage. But right now, I'll start at 60%. No, I completely agree. I was thinking 60 to 70%. And to me, he has all the attributes to make this team, and he just has to show it on the field. And my question with that is, as you said, no mini camps and training camp seems like it's going to be not shortened, but still, I mean, when you don't have a mini camp, you got to do a lot of stuff in that time. Like, that's going to be hard for him. And all I think all those new guys that are just coming onto the Saints roster, that's definitely going to give them a step behind some other guys like a Dwayne Washington. But he has all the attributes to make this team. And, you know, if he's definitely working in the offseason, making sure he's putting himself in a good position 
to be ready for training camp and knowing the Saints playbook being just right on point with the offense. I think he will make the team, but to me right now, I am a little cautious, as you said, just because he is a new player. And what player do I think that will surprise in training camp? And I have two players here, both on the offense. One player that I think is going to surprise, and a lot of people that haven't been talking about, is Maurice Harris. The Saints brought him in. Thank you. Yeah, they, they brought him in on a futures deal, which I was like, hmm, the Saints got Maurice Harris on a futures deal. He came in <laughs> in 2019 with the Patriots. They were raving about him. Then he got hurt, and he didn't, didn't get to play in 2019. But 2018, he was a guy for the Redskins who actually put up some decent numbers. He was a guy that did have 28 catches, and then he also had over 300 yards. So he's a guy that can play the slot. But then also, he's a good blocker as well, and he could do a lot of different things. And also, as a veteran-type guy, and coming into training camp, we talk about not getting a mini camp and stuff like that. He definitely knows the position. He knows what he's doing. And if you're going to go against, he's going to be probably battling against some younger uh, receivers. The Saints probably will be looking at him as well. And then also, I want to look at Calvin Throckmorton on the offensive line. I just think him playing all those different positions in college will really help him technique-wise going into the NFL. So that's really the two guys I'm thinking there. I'm so grateful. You took both. You you mentioned both of the guys <laughs> that I would have named on offense. So I'm gonna give you two guys that I wrote up here on defense. Um, just to, you know, spice of life, man. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with two undrafted free agents because we know the undrafted free agents they generate all the excitement during camp. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, every undrafted free agent's an all pro until September. So. Uh, I'll look at two of them here. I'll go cornerback Keith Washington uh, out of West Virginia. He's an undrafted free agent coming in at a position that the Saints actually need to address, which is depth along the boundary uh, behind Janoris Jenkins yeah. and Marshawn Lattimore. And so Keith Washington, I think, is somebody that has the ability to impress 4.38 speed, 6.1, 180. He needs to put on some weight. But even still, at that size and with that athleticism, he's somebody that I think is going to be able to stand out because there's going to be such a magnifying glass on boundary depth at that cornerback position along the fan base that as he continues to sort of thrive and he continues to be able to, you know, stick to guys and everything the way that he can, I think that that's going to be something that's going to draw a lot of attention. And so Mm -hmm. I look at Keith Washington. He's also going to be a great special teamer as well if he makes a squad, whether it be with the Saints or otherwise. He's somebody to, to watch there because of that speed and because of his experience doing it he's a great gunner he's a great uh kick he's great in kick coverage and so he's somebody to definitely watch and then on the defensive line literally everybody's talking about this guy within the saints organization so i'm glad to be able to bring him up delvin bro also brought him up too. Uh, malcolm roach the defensive lineman oh. out of texas he's getting a ton of attention and get i mean uh ryan nielsen like lit up when he talked about Malcolm Roach and, you know, uh, you know, you can hear every now and then for LSU fans, you can hear coach O get really excited about certain guys. Ryan Nielsen was like coach Oing over Malcolm Roach a little bit. And so I look at Malcolm Roach as somebody that packs a versatility as let's say uh, a Mario Edwards potentially. Mm Mm-hmm. But of course would be cheaper. Uh, and of course is younger. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so maybe he doesn't necessarily make the roster. Maybe neither of these guys make the roster, but they can impress during camp. And I think Malcolm Roach is somebody that packs that versatility, much like you're referencing in Calvin Throckmorton, who's one of my favorite undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to end up drawing a lot of attention. And if the practice squad ends up expanding up to 12, 16 players, these are guys that could potentially get called up at any point throughout the regular season should they make it to the Saints practice squad and still find a way to contribute even if they don't make the week one roster. Now, yeah, that's what I was definitely thinking with the practice squads getting bigger. You, know, you could just stash mm-hmm. these guys down there. Maybe these guys are going to get signed by other teams. The Saints have been known for kind of being a little of a supplier for some of these guys <laughs> going in training camp. The Saints caught them and then they end up going to other teams. But again, I could definitely see both these guys. Um, you see Roach. I think he's a guy that 
could come up in here. Kind of the Saints have been known to get those interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, like they're like they're piling them out in the undrafted free agents, and you've seen guys like Shy Tuttle and some other guys as well. So to me, yeah, Taylor Stallworth, Taylor Stallworth, exactly. So I think all these guys. I think he does have a shot, and I think that those are definitely some great players there. Moving over to our second question from Connor on Twitter, and he asked, "Do you think Traquan Smith?" can make the jump to a solid wide receiver three or wide receiver two here. So Ross, what do you think on this one? I'm, I'm kind of torn here. So uh, I will, I can certainly say that he will not be making any jump to a solid wide receiver two. Agreed that. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think he can make the jump to wide receiver three. Now it requires a lot because look, the guy simply just hasn't been consistent enough to really earn that type of reputation yet. But he did start off well in 2019 before mm-hmm. he nearly got his head ripped off in Los Angeles. <laughs> but the the guy is, is a talent, and he's extremely talented. And potentially now there's going to be some extra competition that might end up helping him put, helping push him a little mm-hmm. bit further. You've got Marquez Calloway coming in, who essentially plays the same style of ball as him. You know, um, the big news about Traquan Smith when he was drafted was that he averaged 19 point eight yards per yeah. catch coming out from UCF. Marquez Callaway, twenty point two yards per catch. <laughs> so you'll potentially find somebody in that similar mold that's gonna really benefit. And here's the other thing too. These guys are gonna benefit from being able to be seen working with first team snaps from Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston who can get the ball further downfield just mm-hmm. to sort of explore another element of their game. So I think exactly. that there's definitely something to be said in all that. Emmanuel Butler coming through is probably going to help push a guy like Traquan Smith as well. But he's just got to be consistent and he's just got to be a guy that can create some separation. That's really the big thing I want to see from him, even if it's just during the preseason. Like I just want to see the guy create some separation for himself and then uh, be able to make plays based off of that. So I think that of the two options here, he has a greater chance to make that wide receiver three leap and be, be pretty solid and be able to produce from there. You know, he was moved inside. I think it was just over 60. Sorry, Andrew, I don't remember the exact number, but it's just over 60% of the time sorry. in 2019. I want to say it's like 63 point something, but I can't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, but so he has shown that and that was mostly out of necessity but yeah. if he can continue to do that then that will certainly help but i look for another guy like deontay harris to really be the one to challenge for wide receiver three if they're okay with him doing that while also being their returner no yeah for sure and the thing about traquan smith i think the saints coaches are going to give him a chance to win that wide receiver three role and i think that they're going to probably give him all the chances in the world to do it i think he definitely again has all the physical attributes and just hasn't been able to put it all together. I mean, whether it be mental part of the game or just learning. And again, look, when you're opposite Mike Thomas and he's getting open like every play, it must get a little frustrating when you're not going to be able to get open. Sure. <laughs> I mean, for sure. So I think that may have something to do with it. And then also, like, really, he's a guy that when he's had his big games and when he has gotten open for touchdowns, it seems like the Saints are scheming for him to get the ball, which, again, that means that a lot of his big plays have came off of, well, um, Sean Payton basically schemed it up for him to get the ball on that play. So that may be also a little kind of a down point. But again, he does have all the attributes. And I think that's the frustrating part is that and, and like we've seen it. It's it's not like he's just done nothing. I mean, he's had some really big games, but just hasn't been consistent. And again, I think that a, a few players will push him. And again, I do think that paired with um, Deontay Harris with the deep ball and then also maybe in the slot, you do have a guy like Ty Montgomery who could play kind of the slot role. He's pretty good in those intermediate routes. If those guys combine together and kind of push Traquan out, 
I could see that as well. But again, I think the Saints are going to give him the chance to do it. It's just going to be if he's going to be able to execute it and get it done. So it's going to be interesting to definitely watch it. I'm definitely looking to see what he can do, as you said, in the in training camp preseason, just to get some separation. And um, hopefully those routes are a little more crisper here in 2020. I do want to add really, really no. quick. Um, Curtis Johnson, wide receiver coach, did predict a breakout year. So yeah, that's again, true. again, all the coaches are going to be really nice about every player right now. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but to your point that the coaches are going to give him every opportunity, you should absolutely expect that. No, yeah, for sure. I think they're, they are high on him. They did use a third-round draft pick on him. They want to see him, at least give him every shot to succeed. Right. And I uh, definitely agree with you there. Now moving over to our final question, and it's going to be from Fan 41 and he asked, after Michael Thomas, who will be the leaders for the Saints in catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns? So, Ross, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, I've got to be completely honest with you. My answer for at least receiving yards and touchdowns for both of those, it's probably going to be Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did an enormous breakdown on Jared Cook earlier today, and it, it's pretty incredible what he was able to do in a little bit of time. And what I mean by that is that he was specifically very good toward the end of last season, weeks 10 through 17. He racked up 537 of his 704 receiving yards total yeah. um, during that span. He averaged over 67 yards per game during that span. He had seven of his nine touchdowns during that time. So if he can pick up right where he left off last year toward that end of the season, especially when he and Drew Brees were finally back. Each of them had come back from their injuries and were back with their rhythm. If they can maintain that rhythm and establish it a little bit further and continue to develop chemistry all throughout the offseason, getting into the regular season. And if Jared Cook and Drew Brees can stay healthy together and continue to produce the way that they were at that rate, just over 67 yards per game, that over 16 games would put him at about 1,074 ish yards. So just under 1100 yards. And, Imagine the amount of touchdowns, you know, had he actually been able to score the way he was scoring toward the end of the year. Um, So I think that Jared Cook, for me, is the leader in both receiving yards and touchdowns behind Michael Thomas. Jared Cook could potentially be the leader in touchdowns uh, Mm -hmm. above Michael Thomas. Who knows? Uh, And then in catches, though, I'm going to stick with Alvin Kamara. I mean, the guy's been the model of consistency, 81 catches. every single year mm-hmm. of his career so far uh, and i could see him continuing to do that uh and potentially doing it a little bit potentially having more uh, of an opportunity uh this season because of the amount of ways they're going to be able to game plan and scheme for him with the personnel that they're now carrying on paper i will say yeah. um mm-hmm. and of course you know him being less at 75% more towards 100% in his own words uh, i think that that will definitely help him there so i think that along with Drew Brees' style, Sean Payton's style, that Alvin Kamara could easily be second in catches. No, yeah, for me, touchdowns, I think Jared Cook will actually lead the team. You kind of said about, uh, hinted at it. I can definitely see that. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, I mean, he's been right around, like his tops have been nine touchdowns. Maybe when the Saints do have more weapons, Michael Thomas will get a little more opportunities in the red zone and catch some touchdowns. But Jared Cook, I mean, towards the end of the season, as you were saying, it was like a dominant performance in the mm-hmm. red zone. He was making catch after catch down there. And that was really big. And to me, he's a guy that, again, over those first eight games, it was just like, I mean, he was getting in with the offense, then Breeze gets hurt, and then he was kind of getting it in with Teddy Bridgewater. They were starting to build a connection, but then now Breeze came back in, and then he had to build it with Breeze again. So it was like that over and over again, but then he finally clicked, and it was just, I mean, you just saw what the Saints were able to do with him. So I definitely see him leading in touchdowns. Catches, I'm going to agree with you with Alvin Kamara. I think, again, he's probably going to be around 80 catches, and I really love to see what he's able to do there. And as you said, I mean, he's going to be given a lot of opportunities 
him at 100% to me, that's going to be really big. Receiving yards, I'm going to go with the new guy in the room, and that's going to be Emmanuel Sanders. I think that he's a guy that last year, I believe, put up over 800 yards, closer to 900 yards. Um, and he was, yeah, 870 yards and also mm-hmm. had um, five touchdowns. I think a guy for him, he was playing on two separate teams like that. And to move mid-year and still be really successful, I mean, to me, that shows a lot of what he's able to do and how he's a quick learner and could definitely bring a lot to this Saints team here in 2020. I mean, the year before, he only played 12 games and put up 870 yards. So if he's able to stay healthy and be 100%, I could definitely see him having a big year in the receiving yard uh, category for the Saints. But I think with all that said... It is going to be time to wrap up this podcast. So, Ross, where can they find you on social media and to check out all the rest of your content? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for having me on, man. Pleasure. Thank this you. Really, really fun and great, great, great information. So I appreciate you uh, having me and letting me come through and uh, wrap with you here for a little bit. Uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. You'll be able to catch everything that I do over there, <laughs> uh, over at Kadashi Chronicles, Locked on Saints, and as well as the upcoming Dylan and Ross Save Sports over at Full Press Coverage and Full Press Radio. Uh, thanks again, my man. No, thank you so much. And uh, definitely, guys, check out all of Ross's work. It's Really great. Whatever platform it's on, it's always been definitely top-notch work. I listen to the podcast, and it's definitely something that I take inspiration from. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, and really a pleasure to have you. Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. So with all that said, I wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Run it back. And who dat? <laughs>